Welcome back, guys. Mac Rollins, Zen Cop here. It is Sunday, July 2nd. Wow, already July. Thank you for being here, and thank you for listening. This will be the second episode on Spotify and soon to be Apple. For those of you Apple podcast people, it is coming, I promise. I'm just sort of dealing with some uh, technical difficulties from Apple at the moment. But uh, over on YouTube, if this is your first time listening, there's about 19 episodes on YouTube that I'm going to slowly uh, retro and bring them over to the Spotify slash Apple platform. Um, YouTube is handy and uh, there's, there's a decent amount of content on there, but it's limited to how people can view it as it is a video and not necessarily an audio file, even though it is an audio file on a video. Um, it's a little bit difficult to play that in the car or while you're working out or wherever and whenever you listen to this stuff. Uh, if you are listening, thanks. It means a lot to me and um, happy to be here. So uh, the zencop.com for the blog, if you have time to read and just so you know, if you are new to this, um, the content on the blog will uh, typically mirror, uh, the episodes. So, um, it's pretty easy to, to catch up or if you want to go and read it more power to you anyway. Um, this, this episode is going to be, uh, talking about a lot of the things that we've observed over the last three years. Um, you know, the climate of law enforcement has felt more like a category five hurricane, and for the first time in many years, this controversial climate did not only impact law enforcement, but society overall. And when an incident creates a national crisis, everyone is affected by the aftermath. And in 2020, almost every part of the U.S. felt some type of ripple effect. And unless you're living on Pluto, it was, it was pretty hard not to. Um, and over the years, I've heard the term, oh, the pendulum is swinging. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been swinging pretty aggressively, uh, more so in the earlier part of the last 900 days or so, um, but more so than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I, I couldn't disagree more. It is not a pendulum anymore. We are watching a, a wrecking ball that has lost control. A pendulum would imply some type of uh, accuracy and return to its equilibrium once gravity wins the war on physics. But for the first time in a long time, accuracy and precision were, were nowhere to be found. And some would argue that chaos in the realm of, of social justice would be a good thing. Um, we can all agree that change is healthy and reform after all is ultimately what they were fighting for. But in the big picture, however, was change and reform the best post incident option in the realm of proactive policing within the U S and for us to understand the policing pendulum in the U S we, we must first understand why it moves. Any movement is going to be brought on by an incident and that incident can vary in nature and action, but ultimately it would be safe to say that something bad happened, a shooting, um, an in custody death, major policy change. The list is, is infinite, but it's exclusively, uh, negative. And to this day, I have yet to see any aggressive reformation efforts based on something positive. Now, when we are presented with any type of social justice reform, it's important for all of us to look to the past and ask ourselves one very important question. And that question is, has this happened before? If the answer is yes, 
what was the long-term outcomes? And in my own personal findings, many of the critical incidents in the past that have caused uh, national movements, they are almost repeated in identical fashion every single time. And that fashion is incident, reaction, sustained reaction, resolve, and almost no follow-through. The lack of follow-through is very important, and we'll come back to that at the end of this podcast. But for the the current law enforcement generation, uh, George Floyd's death um, will probably be the most pivotal point of their careers in terms of overall aftermath and reformation of police uh, of policing overall within the U.S. The incident itself gained national notoriety within hours and international uh, notoriety within days. And the world was focused on on one man and one man only, and that man was ultimately identified as Minneapolis PD officer Derek Chauvin. And one man, in the matter of minutes, would change the course of history forever. And in the months following that incident, the U.S. would see a, a year of, uh, I would say, sustained protests and riots across the nation. And within that same year, most law enforcement agencies would also lose any type of positive connection they once had with the public. And the concept of law enforcement being a positive entity among any community was quickly fading nationwide. The average person in the U.S. who may have once been neutral in their opinion of, of law enforcement would now uh, likely side with the possibility that most cops were in fact corrupt or racist or cruel or otherwise completely untrustworthy. And the pendulum was just moving, man, in all directions and quite quickly. And while the, the overall mission of the social justice movement was to prevent an incident like George Floyd from ever happening again, their mission came with a cost and that cost was paid for in a currency that unfortunately cannot be counted. We can, you know, tally the costs of, of damages. We can see the loss of human life for the year 2020, but the numbers we can't put on a spreadsheet are the costs of rebuilding a relationship between the community and those sworn to protect it. And that relationship is priceless and more often completely overlooked when emotions are running high. And rather than the future, the majority of those involved with with the cause, they're going to be focused on the immediate present. And in the realm of law enforcement, you know, we we face the same issues as as most businesses or entities in terms of employees and employee behavior. You know, simply stated, there there's never going to be a, a perfect employee. Mistakes will be made, and hopefully, they are corrected and proper recourse is provided. Um, Sinister employees, evil employees, I, 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 they exist, um, but they're extremely rare. Uh, there's bad doctors, bad lawyers, bad teachers, bad firefighters, bad plumbers. You know, the list goes on. There's a 2020 for uh, every career field at some point, right? But I guess the simpler version is there's always going to be bad apples within any profession. And within the public safety or public service arena, those bad apples seem to gain the most notoriety when they are discovered. And the important thing to understand is where the bad apples come from. And more importantly, with the current climate of law enforcement, will there be more bad apples on the streets than ever before? And some of you would ask, well, how is that even possible? I assure you it is more of a possibility today 
than it ever was before 2020. In the year 2019, there were hundreds, hundreds of thousands of applicants uh, across the nation who were ready to begin and pursue their career in law enforcement. And uh, some would be first-generation cops. Some were following in their parents' footsteps. Some were from challenging backgrounds, right? Some were first-generation Americans. All of these people, all walks of life, all races, all sexes, all of them ready to do their part to make this world a safe and better place. All of them, good apples. In the realm of fruit, it's important for us to understand that bad apples are, in fact, uh, they're not bad from day one. There is something that happens to them along the way that makes them rotten. The reasoning, though, behind their their spoiled core can vary in cause, but once they are mixed in with the bunch, it's very difficult to tell them apart. And sometimes someone just takes a bite and the course of history is changed forever. Derek Chauvin was a, was a bad apple. And what happened on May 25th, 2020, that was a big bite. Um, and as this new generation of would-be great cops watched all of that unfold on live television, most of them decided to pursue other careers. Background investigators were getting phone calls left and right from applicants explaining that they were you know, just no longer interested in the position. I mean, these kids were about to get offered their dream job. So what happened? Well, uh, this issue became so consistent among uh, law enforcement agencies that background investigators started asking follow-up questions during the phone calls. You know, was it another agency? Did, did you find somewhere else that, that paid better? And the answer was almost linear across the board. Um, they simply told them, yeah, I didn't, you know, I don't want to do this. I didn't, I don't want to be a cop anymore. I don't want to try to become a cop anymore. And the background investigators, they didn't need to ask any more questions because the writing was on the wall, along with every news network across the United States. All the future great cops were going to instead become great members of society doing something else to make a difference. And for a time when the very best was needed for the future of law enforcement, there wasn't a lot to choose from. And going back to the concept of uh, apples, when there's slim pickings coming in from the orchards. Well, that's when spoiled fruit makes its way to the market. And as we approach the, uh, I'm sorry, we passed it now, but may we're, we're going on over three, three years now. Um, I really wonder what the future will look like. And with all the social justice reform, right? Quote unquote reform that occurred over the past 900 days, I saw very little that would truly make society safer and even more concerning very little that would prevent another incident from occurring like what occurred in May of 2020 in law enforcement, there's retirements and promotions every day. Um, even more recently. So because of the last couple of years where cops all over the country, um, you know, there's a lot of them that have either retired early or moved on to another career field, just left and said, I'm not doing this anymore. But vacant positions must be filled. There is an expectation from the public that when they ask for help, someone will come. And when the hiring pool becomes as shallow as it is, agencies will be forced to take what they can get. And those new cops uh, are, are just sort of, uh, you know, walking out into the parking lot with that just huge question mark over their head. And rather than the uh, confidence and conviction that most agencies used to hold for new hires, a lot of people feel as if they're just sort of rolling the dice and hoping for the best. Um, 
I mentioned previously the concern of follow through after any critical incident that creates distrust between um, society and law enforcement, specifically George Floyd's death. In, in terms of preparation and prevention from future incidents, the only real tool that we have is good cops outnumbering the bad in conjunction with criminals being held accountable for their actions. There is no other alternative, and we are seeing the results in real time. Violent criminal activity, to include homicides, they're at an all-time high, while staffing and overall retention among local law enforcement, uh, those were at all-time lows. The social justice movement, they were so hell-bent on getting rid of cops entirely that they did not consider the long-term ramifications of those actions. And before we can identify the solution, we must first understand that there is more than one problem. And those problems overall, they do not fall entirely on the backs of law enforcement, right? Uh, bad cops, actually, actual bad cops, they're far and few between. Uh, you just read about them or you hear about them a lot more than the good ones because that's how the mainstream media operates. Rarely, if ever, do we get to hear about anything good in the world. That being said, Derek Chauvin was a bad cop and made poor decisions that ultimately resulted in the death of George Floyd. I have my own opinions on other contributing factors for his death, but nothing can get rid of the famous uh, video the body positioning of Chauvin and the lifeless body of, of Floyd beneath him. At the end of the day, it wouldn't even matter what the cause of death was. Society saw enough. And after that video went viral, it was all over. There was nothing that could have changed the societal reaction. However, when we look at the numbers and we look at the social justice movement and the question of how do we stop this from ever happening again, the margin of concern would drastically favor that of the criminal element and not bad cops. My point is we have a much higher chance of an incident like that repeating itself based on criminality rather than we do corrupt policing. Um, the numbers and the data is out there and some people just don't like to read it or hear about it, but prevention for this issue is a two way street and one side of that street has a lot more traffic than the other. However, if we truly, truly, truly want to see change, uh, it comes from a collective perspective. And in the fight against evil, uh, nothing will ever, ever be achieved alone. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, this is episode two on Spotify, soon to be Apple. Uh, go to YouTube if you want to check out some of the old stuff or the blog at thezencop.com. I'll be on Instagram at thezencop. And uh, email if you ever want to reach out for content or questions is thezencop at gmail.com. Thank you guys so much. And I will be back next week for episode three. Have a great week, guys. Talk to you later.